Welcome to the Digital Bounds Podcast, where we talk tech every week. That's better. Uh, my name's Leon Hitchens. You are? Sunny Singh. Okay. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. We're all Digital Bounds. All right, guys. Um, I guess let's just jump into it, Sunny. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so let's, I guess let's start with the news, and then we can do like the personal like stuff. Um Ooh, Casey is vlogging. Let's start with that one. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I saw um, he released the video today, I think. Um, but basically, he's like, he kind of, the original reason he started vlogging was to kind of share his experience with like running a startup, which was Beam at the time. So and he says he kind of misses like sharing his mm-hmm. viewpoint from it and like just sharing like his life with his audience and building an audience. So he's basically just starting vlogging again. Um, doesn't really feel like he left because he he like did vlogs from time to time like every mm-hmm. week or two um but yeah he's i guess he's doing daily vlogs now so it is going to be a daily vlog um i don't remember him saying it was a daily vlog but he he's bringing back vlogging so i would assume so well because he never really start stopped vlogging he just broke it down from doing daily vlogging to vlogging like maybe once a month or once a week or something. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure it's like he's doing daily vlogging again because he's calling it like season three of, of his vlog. So, um, like episode one, season three. So it's probably gonna be daily again, which is pretty. Okay, yeah, because I didn't watch it, so I was like super like okay. Like I told Katie, Katie and I was always watch it to get the vlogs together. So I was like, oh, we'll watch that tonight, and. I'm like, I'm trying not to watch it, but I'm like, yeah. okay, I really want to know what's up. It's basically like they're in Miami um, because it's his birthday. Um, he started the vlog, I guess, two years ago because um, that's how he knows when he started vlogging um, in the first place. Okay, that's kind of neat. Um, I, I think he really shaped vlogging and like brought it mainstream. So kind of seeing him move away from it was kind of the like focal point of youtube is youtube gonna change like at its core because they're launching youtube um tv and there's like a lot of scandal and a lot of talk about what's going on youtube so him leaving kind of brought up that conversation and then what we had SourceFed just closed down recently too yeah which is not just SourceFed because there's multiple properties that they own so it's like SourceFed, SourceFed nerd um people be like and i think there's one other channel um, but they're owned by Discovery now, so it's it's not well, really. No, they're, really, they're um, not. Yeah. They're not no longer just Discovery like Communications. It's actually another network. Like Discovery kind of spun them off into a separate company because it includes uh, D News, Seeker, Thrillist. Um, there's like ten properties in this new company. I think it's like um, I forget the name of the company. Does Discovery still own but, that company though? Sort of. It's like a subsidiary of Discovery, and there's like other people invested in the company. Oh, it's now this, you know, that like now this news network? I saw it like uh, at least a year ago. Um, But yeah, it's like. So now it's like that. Yeah, it's like a network of these channels. So Discovery spun it out, and I think there's investments into the company. Like, you know, how like everyone, like Vox, is invested from 20 different companies. Same thing with, I think, this new network. Yeah, so I mean, going back to Casey, I feel like he like kind of started um, the vlogging revolution of like having it be higher, 
production and like thinking about more like the view angles and stuff. Like I noticed more people doing it in kind of the nine stat vlogging style um, after he quit or like around the time when he was doing it. And then after he quit, there was like a bunch of vloggers that started up. Yeah. And and I I think that's really cool that he started that, but I'm also like super bummed out that everyone's copying everyone. Like I'm just like, that's why I like Lewis for fun. He does everything kind of differently, you know? Yeah, that's true. Like it's not unique anymore. Um, yeah. But like beyond it, I think since what he said in the in the in his vlog about how like he did it because of Beam, I wonder if he'll be able to share some of the stuff he's doing at CNN more closely. Since you know when CNN um, started working with Casey, they they also want to work with his audience too. Um, so I'm hoping like within the vlogs he'll start talking more about what he's doing at CNN. That is true. I do. Well, he hasn't shared a lot, too, at, at this point about CNN's project. So maybe bringing the vlog back, you know, Casey's I mean, that's a just really me completely guy. speculating on it because um, I don't think he will. But that's I'm, I'm kind of hoping that he does just because based on what he said with Beam. I don't know, like back to Casey's a really smart guy. And I think maybe I, this is super like conspiracy theorist at the moment. Maybe he stopped the vlog because he was like, let me build some hype up around this new startup. And he's going to start vlogging again right now because he's in the final stages of launching the project. So it's more than likely going to be launched like in the near future, you know? Yeah. But we might be digging way too deep in it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So That um, I can hope, you know? <laughs> and then uh, um, what, what, what's next you want to talk about? Uh, let's do that dash line da- dash line article. You can talk about it because I, I have no clue for it what it's about. Yeah. Um, so quickly, like if and for anyone doesn't know, dash line is basically like a password manager. You log in. You have like a browser extension. So when you log into a website, it'll store that um, within its own separate app, and it's all encrypted and secure and all that. Um, but so basically, I saw their t- them tweet out the fact that they added uh, touch bar support for like the new MacBook Pro. Um, and I tried it out. It's it's only like within their app. It's not super useful. The one cool thing about it um, is that there's like a copy password button. So if you're, you know, you, you can go to like Dashlane app, uh, command F, you know, type like Twitter. And then you, within your touch bar, you just press copy password. So it's a little bit quicker for navigating within the Dashlane app. Um, but outside of that, it doesn't really add anything super useful. But it's cool. Like I the important thing is like more apps are adding support to the touch bar. Like I saw Pixelmator, which is like a Photoshop competitor, essentially, um, add um, touch bar support. So it's cool to see more applications uh, support the touch bar. Yeah, like I feel like everyone at first was kind of like super hands off with the touch bar. They were like, we're not going to really use that because how many people actually own a MacBook um, Pro that's upgraded? And I think a lot more companies realizing that the touch bar is like super important because that touch ID on the touch bar gives Dashlane a, a layer of security that you don't have on Windows. Yeah, so that's the thing, actually. They don't have touch ID support yet, um, but I saw the comment on their article. They did say that they're working on it. They're still working out a few kinks. Um, so hopefully we'll see it soon. I'm like, I, I don't want to log into Dashlane, so that'll definitely be... A, really nice to have once we do have it but it does suck that they don't have it at this point yeah 
but even with like so on my android phone do you have this problem like dashlands always like like logging itself out and forcing me to type the password in even though that um i have it set super like to where i can always press the touch the the eye the fingerprint reader on the back yeah like most of the time it does ask me for the fingerprint but it seems like if i don't use it that often um it'll log me out and then i have to type in my long master password so that's really annoying and i don't know how to like fix it i think i guess it's like when you restart the phone i'm not sure maybe but my phone never restarts i don't know it's just super annoying and and i've changed the setting to like go when it's like in between like 24 hours or something and i'm like i use dashlane every day like on my phone mm-hmm. it's, it's just super annoying but yeah, i'm like super most... pumped that dashlane is adding that support yeah it's like the best password manager in my opinion um but there's still so many issues that they have which which is really annoying like it could be it could be so much better well they're kind of like piecemealing like everything together like you know it's it's like browser extension has to like look for password um fields and stuff and sometimes they're not always labeled properly or the same on on websites so they have that little problem there and then they're like layering in all this security and they're trying to make sure the that even if they if there's a local like hack you can still protect your passwords so it's just super complicated so i kind of understand why they're so careful about releasing new features yeah, that makes sense. You have to be careful about it. Um, TweetDeck is going to start offering more professional features, but for a price. What do you think? So when I saw that it was going to be $20, um, that's a little bit steep for me. Um, like, I use TweetDeck. I, th- I just like having it all in different columns. I can see from different accounts if we're getting mentioned somewhere um, or be able to, like, like or tweet from different accounts and stuff like that. Um so I don't know like what new features they're offering. Uh, maybe you know I haven't really read too deep about it, but the twenty dollars to me that just seems really steep. So the new features they're gonna offer are like um, analytics, um, better scheduling. It's a lot more pro features that normal customers or consumers, normal Twitter users wouldn't use. Um, twenty dollars is fairly cheap. Is that a lot of stuff um, that's like built in in Buffer? Does Buffer offer analytics? No. So the analytics are the Twitter analytics you can see in the core Twitter app. You know, mm. like you, you can access like your your advertising dashboard. You can access your tweet reach and everything. Uh, Buffer offers limited analytics because they're trying to scrape the Twitter analytics, and those are like your tweet reached two to 3,000 people or it was clicked seven times or um, six people reshared it. So it's not that deep of analytics. What Twitter can offer because they have everyone's birthday, their their age, and then they can scrape off um, their income level, their race, their uh, city of origin. They can offer all of that to you in that dashboard so you can promote tweets to a more targeted audience that are already interacting with your tweets. But um, but you can already access Twitter analytics, um, just not within TweetDeck currently, right? Yeah, but all the people that are using TweetDeck are the the marketers, the brand managers, and the professionals that like professionally manage a personal or otherwise um, 
br- uh, another brand. I guess my problem is like it's basically like how many features they're adding on top of it. Because if it's only analytics, you know, like TweetDeck itself, and then with this adv- prof, um, advanced TweetDeck version, um, they're adding analytics, and then I don't know what else they're adding, but that extra stuff they're adding has to be worth that twenty extra dollars. Because right now they've kind of what, spoiled the users with what we have in the current tweet deck. But I think what they're doing is they're tweaking tweet deck to the point where you can only access tweet deck if you're paying. That's what I'm saying. They're they're going to restructure tweet deck. Oh god, I would hate that. If if so, you're saying well, they might remove the free version? Yeah, they're going to remove the free version because they only want professionals using tweet deck. Oh man, that'll suck. <laughs> I just, I don't want to, like, that's $10, I can see it, but 20 I just, I don't know about that. Like, for, for anyone that's, like, just doing uh, marketing and social media marketing, like, any professionals that are doing that, like, yeah, sure, that, that um, $20 is probably nothing. But um, for anyone else that uses TweetDeck and kind of likes the layouts, like, I guess, like, in the middle tier of, like, being kind of, um, like a Twitter newbie and like, um, but not a completely pro Twitter user, like kind of in the middle ground, um, that use tweet deck, it's really going to suck for them. Yeah. So those power users more than likely are going to get pushed off because Twitter, I think what Twitter is going to do is restructure the Twitter app, make it easier for users to use and not have all that extra junk in it. And they're going to move that to tweet deck and make that the core paid, paid product. But you got to think about it. So um, Hootsuite's for like $50 a month for like to manage multiple profiles and everything. Uh, Buffer's $10 for just a basic plan and you don't really get that much in there. But if you actually want like all the features, that's $99 a month. Um, Meet Edgar is $79.99 a month. All these other services are $80 to $90 a month. Okay. I guess I'm not really... Yeah, in comparison, yeah, you are right. Um, I guess I'm not really just entranced in like a lot of these um, social media tools. Um, I've used only TweetDeck and Cuckoo primarily. Um, I mean, yeah, I see, guess gonna, one, of, like, one of the big things with this is like since Twitter is not really profiting enough right now, um, this is going to be huge for that. It's going to be a, a good way for them to start making money. Oh, it's a, totally. Like, I, I don't know the like the statistics on who uses TweetDeck and everything, but if they can get like, they probably get like 50,000 users to pay for TweetDeck right off the bat, $20 a month, a recurring payment, that's a huge amount of revenue, just straight off something compared to like advertising to these people. Yeah, there's so many professionals on Twitter and I'm pretty sure like the majority of them use TweetDeck. So if you can get like at least half of them or even like 25%, that's going to be a lot. But I guarantee you they're going to offer like company bundles to where a whole newsroom is like using TweetDeck to where they're using it professionally and they're seeing their tweets and everything and they're like helping manage stuff. And I think that's going to kind of go into into like what TweetDeck is being aimed at. They're being aimed at the media and then professionals who are managing their own personal brand or uh, professionals managing a brand's page. It's going to be a huge boon for uh, TweetDeck. But yeah, but this is like all users. speculation right now, right? Because it's all based on this leak. Um, cause, uh, Andrew Tavani on Twitter, he uh, he tweeted a couple screenshots from it. I don't think it's a leak because um, a few other sites started confirming with like sources inside of Twitter that this is actually happening. 
So right. it's like a very well sourced. We don't know like the full, um, like how many features they're actually going to offer with this. That's true. We don't we don't know the full scope of the the right. tweet deck update. Um, it could be nothing really. They could just like offer the analytics and that's it. Yeah, so that's that's what I think we'll we'll decide it. So until we know more, um, we can speculate like really far and being like, oh, is it going to include analytics and going to include like you know customized uh, business versions of it and stuff? But um, we we don't know for sure right now. Yeah. Um, so Google fucked up messaging again. Like, fuck you, Google. I'm so pissed off. I don't, I don't know what to do now. So Google is dropping SMS support in Hangouts. And the big point here is I have to use Hangouts because I've used Project Fi, like, uh, messaging sync. So I can access all my SMS messages on all my devices. So I don't know what I'm going to do when they discontinue the support. Well, so, so I've never actually used Fi, but... So I assume that it's going to be Hangouts um, just by itself as like a, you know messaging app, but then you'll have to use like Messages, like the Android Messages app for SMS. Like, are they just breaking it up into multiple apps now? Well, of course they're pushing everyone to Android Messages, but the problem is my messages are stuck to Hangouts. I cannot use Android Messages because it doesn't sync to Project Fi. Well, then you'll have to use Google Voice, I would assume. But Google Voice app doesn't work with Project Fi. Oh, well, then you're just screwed. Like it's not supported. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what, what are they going to do? Like, and it's May 22nd. Unless they, like, rush something out the door in April, they're just they're just kind of like fucking users that are using um, Hangouts for Project Fi. Yeah, I don't know. They'll have to, like, either make Google Voice work with it and that's what I think would, would make sense. Um, either that or um, have Android Messages work with, with Fi. Yeah, and I'm okay with Android Messages working with Fi because Android Messages works with video files and Hangouts doesn't work sending video files over SMS. <laughs> oh, okay. I've never actually, I've only sent um, just uh, photos through Google Voice. I think. I don't know. It's just. Like personally, I'm not that upset about it. Um, just because they've already started, you know, they they have Android messages and they have Google Voice, so they already knew like months before that they're splitting it up into multiple apps. Um, so I'm not that upset about it if they kind of are trying to streamline Hangouts to be just essentially like a Slack competitor. Um, yeah. The problem is, is just way too many messaging apps. Like Google Voice, I don't know. They need to improve Google Voice to the point of what everything that you were able to do in Hangouts with voice integration, um, you should be able to do that in the voice app. If they did that, then this would not be as um, as detrimental um, right now. I think it's extremely detrimental. Well, outside of Google in the long run, in, in, in for yeah. Well, but there's like probably hundreds of thousands of subscribers to Project Fi. Like you'd be surprised, you know. Well, right. I'm saying Maybe if not. they have a solution for it, I don't think this is as big um, of a problem. I guarantee you they don't have a solution for it, and they're working on it right now. Well, hopefully. Like I just, well, Google's broken stuff before in the past and ha- and let customers wait like a few months, you know? Mm-hmm. They just sunset stuff, and they don't care. Like Google Reader, they sunsetted it, and like that was just whatever. But then f- the what was it feed fire or something 
Um, yeah, they broke something within Feedfire. Yeah. yeah, they broke something within that, so you couldn't read RSS feeds that were like ported through like Google Reader. It was weird, but they they break things all the time in between updates and yeah, sunsetting was, products. Yeah, it was only like what two weeks, maybe three weeks ago, with the Google Router issue, where they signed out everyone's routers and lost their uh, configurations. Yeah, like that was like a in, uh, circumstantial, like minor error. But it's an overall trend of Google recently of releasing something, updating something, or like tweaking something and overall breaking an app or breaking an experience. And it's kind of alarming considering how big of a company they are. You'd think they tested in dog food within the company. Yeah, they're definitely like, they they feel like a startup despite their gigantic size, which in this situation is not, you know, it's not a good thing. Especially when millions of users are using their services. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's, uh, that's cool for you. <laughs> I fucking hate them sometimes. Uh, the Galaxy S8 leaks again, and guess what? We know everything. Like, <laughs> oh my god! Like, I don't understand what Samsung's doing. Um, the new leaks like show people typing, and it sh- and it like gives both the front angle, the back angle, side angles of the phone. And there's like literally like no angle we haven't seen. Uh, what do you, what do you think about it? Like in terms of how it looks and everything. I love the front. I love, love, love the front of that almost bezel-less design. The thing about the back of the phone is the fingerprint reader is placed in an odd spot. Yeah, it's kind of like um, what the LG G, um, I guess, 5 was doing. I forget which one it was. Um, but they're doing it a little bit like to the side of it. I don't know how easy it will be to put your finger there. Um, it looks like if you're holding it with your right hand, you're going to have to put your finger across the, the camera bump. So that means you're going to have a dirty camera all the time. Yeah, because you're gonna like miss it and gonna rub the lens. That's annoying. Well, if you're if you're reaching across from the left side, you know, because the it's on the it's on the left of the camera. So if you're using your right hand, you're gonna have to like reach across the phone, and your part of your finger is gonna rub against that camera. Right. That's what I'm saying. the The other thing that I thought was interesting is um, they're removing the home button, so that means they're gonna uh, move over to um, like on screen buttons. I think it's really interesting. Why? Like, what? I mean, have they done a phone with that think? before? Because they've always had a home button with capacitive um, back and menu buttons. Or not menu, but well, the yeah. multitasking. Like, I don't think it's interesting. I, I just think it's like a simple move for them. It, it Every other phone uses software buzz, buttons, so it, it makes sense for them to move to like a bezel-less phone and, and you just use software buttons. Right, I'm like, I'm all for on-screen buttons. I'm just saying they should have made the move years ago. Um, it's just interesting that they're doing it now and they're not sticking by their decision because they, what they were doing is like they wanted to be a huge iPhone competitor, and that's why they've kept the the home button there so they could have like S Voice and all that. I suppose that's true. I I would just say, interesting is a poor word for it. It's more of a there's got to be a better word for than interesting, you know? Yeah, I'm just saying it's like it's 
It's peculiar that they're doing it now, but I'm I am glad that they there, are. There we go. Peculiar. It it is. It's something like it made my head like turn. I was like, uh, why are they doing that? Because they have done it. it peculiar, peculiar is a good word for that. Interesting, not so much because it, other all other phones have it. It's not like a a first thing for them. Right, um, yeah. I think it had to do a lot with the bezels because if they put hard hardware buttons on there, it would look kind of weird having a top and a bottom bezel and no side bezels. That's true. Although. Yeah, I mean, I guess it looks okay because um, the top and bottom bezels are even, and if they had the home button there, um, the bottom bezel would be bigger. Yeah, so I think that's part of it. Um, I personally like software buttons. What, what are you more of a hardware or software? Uh, ever since um, I got the Nexus, I've I've always preferred software buttons because um, they can like change. You know, if you rotate the phone and you're like have the camera open, um, the buttons are not going to be like sideways. Um, and then they, the buttons can hide when you're viewing like full screen video. There's just a bunch of benefits to having software buttons. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same like uh, arena. I'm really a fan of software buttons. However, I do like like the Apple's hardware button because it just gives you easy access to the home, easy, and you just press well, it. There's that, and there's also if you have your phone laying down flat on the back, um, you can just like it's easier to unlock the phone um, when it's on a table with a fingerprint sensor. Yeah, that's true. Um, the screen resolution is like a high resolution on the Galaxy S8. Um, they're saying that there's going to be a facial recognition. And there's just like, we literally know everything about the Samsung Galaxy S8. The press event is March 29 at like 10 a.m. Central Time, I believe, or uh, 11 a.m. Central Time. Yeah, yeah, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. Okay, so this Wednesday we'll know exactly what's going on, and I just imagine like uh, like the the presenter getting on stage and going, "Well, you guys know this is the phone. <laughs> Here it is. All right, like, bye, guys." <laughs> I like. I hope they have something up their sleeve, you know, like a little accessory that goes with it, or like a new Gear VR headset or something that they can announce to kind of surprise us and make us like feel good. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, like a new VR headset. Um, I've just seen the rumors about it, so I assume so. I think it's interesting, like, and I'm I'm going to use that word, like, uh, uh, sparingly again, but is the G6 the only other phone that is doing kind of this um, really tall resolution? Um, as far as I know, yes, because it's a different resolution type. Okay, because I feel like this is going to be a trend now within phones, and there might be like a core Android update to better have um, to better support like this new resolution of screens. What is it really that hard for like the apps to scale? I'm not sure. I haven't used a phone that. I'm not saying like for apps, but I know that LG kind of had added specific like they added um, this little bar at the top, and I guess it's like access to apps or something like that, Um, and maybe like the time and stuff, but. Um, they're basically like they're using that screen more smartly. Um, also, like with the camera app, they would have the gallery um, off to the side, so you can kind of you know scroll between those as well. So it's just like better okay. use of the screen real estate. That is that is smart to have like a. It's kind of like the Edge. You remember when they first released the Galaxy the Galaxy Edge? Yeah, the Edge have, like, phone had like uh, on the side where it curves down. Yeah, and. Besides 
being always accidentally touched, it was kind of a neat idea. It was very novel. Mm-hmm. And with that, um, say the screen is uh, curved as well. Oh yes, you're right. You're right. Which I don't know how it's going to feel in the hands. Like, I f- maybe it'll feel great, but at the same time, I feel like I'm always going to press the screen more. Also, those curved edges. When you have a large full screen video, the video kind of curves over those edges, make, make like warping that video at the bottom. So if you have captions on, sometimes it warps the video. Oh, uh, that's that's going to be annoying. Hopefully, they fixed it because I, I mean the edges the edge has been out for such a long time. Uh, there's also a new UI that they're using. It's like um, it's not touch um, touch whiz anymore. It's um, EV leaks tweeted me, and he said it was something else. Okay. So it, it it's going to look nicer than previous phones, software and hardware wise. Would you buy it? Um, personally, I mean, I'm not a fan of Samsung phones just because of like the crapware they put on it. But the crapware has been like super toned down because they're working in partnership with Google a lot more. Has it? Because I've, I mean, I've talked to friends and uh, it doesn't look like that was the case. Maybe on the flagship phones, um, they've been working more closely. Well, yeah, like the S7 last year had less crapware. Like all that they haven't, there's no like carrier crapware anymore. All their crapware is like an extra browser, an extra music player. Uh, some gear VR shit and and those sort of apps, but you can all remove those. Um, like, I mean, this looks they, like a very nice phone. Um, if it's going to be priced, you know, seven hundred dollars unlocked, I I'd probably be more excited for the Google Pixel. That's like the second version that would come out. I believe they're saying this phone's actually going to cost more. Like the the Plus version is going to be a thousand plus starting out (laughs) you get exactly what i thought i was like damn (laughs) so let's uh jump to personal like updates and like stuff like that do you want to go first or you want me to go first um you can go okay so we had talked about like uh social media management i actually subscribed to a new social media manager and i'm kind of like i'm beating myself up inside um it's called Meet Edgar. It's um, a newish startup. It's based in Austin, Texas, so it's very close to where I live. Um, the big part of it that I'm very like uneasy about is the price. It's $79 a month, so $80 a month. But what it does, it lets me import my RSS feed from Digital Bounds and Ninjality and like other services. And it creates like a library of content so I can add in a description, I can edit the pictures and I can like add what it's going to post to Facebook and Twitter. And then it just stays at the library and based on shares, interactions, and sometimes just randomly, it'll share those articles out to my social medias at predetermined times that I've already set. So it essentially (laughs) gives you like a list of content for you to curate. So it's easier for you to post um, two different like social media networks because it also is like essentially a buffer of Hootsuite as well. Yes. Yes. It's a buffer in Hootsuite. But the difference is buffer makes me pick what time I'm going to schedule. Like I scheduled it. I already have a schedule on buffer, but I have to actually drop a tweet into that scheduled time slot. Edgar just automatically pulls from the library and tweets. They don't mm, force me to yeah. put a tweet at that time. 
So like feel like... cuckoo, you have to like put stuff in a row. Right. If it does it automatically, I mean, I think like eighty dollars still think it's really steep, but at the same time, it's going to be saving you a lot of time. So yes, I mean, it, it sounds like a really cool service. Um, yeah. Yeah, because every week with Buffer, I would spend four hours planning out the whole week of content. And then every day I would have to spend an extra hour adding in when I'm going to tweet my latest articles, you know? Yeah, so, and then like, I'm looking Edgar, at their homepage right now. Their tagline here is like, want to double your traffic. So, I mean, $80 a month to do that, that seems like it's worth it. And I have actually seen more clicks from articles from Meet Edgar. Mm-hmm. So it, the trade-off, I think $80 is going to save me like six to eight hours a week on just social media management because I'm not having to constantly revisit it. I just visit it once a day when I post a new article. I add the information, save it to the library, and then it just it knows when to tweet it out. And I set different categories so I can set what time reviews are published on Twitter and Facebook and what time just regular news articles are published. So like regular new news articles are republished three times a day and reviews are published like Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So it just automatically picks from that. I don't have to worry about anything after that point. Yeah, that's actually really just, cool. I like that. It's better than because I for a little while there I started to think I was gonna pay somebody to do it, like a few you know, like have them manage some media for me. Yeah, and that's where I think the, that's where they get the price point at. It's like the eighty dollars, which is cheaper than what you would pay someone else. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, Nintendo Switch. I finally bought the Nintendo Switch. So I said I was going to pre-order it. I pre-ordered it from Amazon, and then Amazon fucked me and canceled my order at launch date because they had some issues with like stock, and they couldn't ship them out at that day. So they canceled orders and issued refunds. Yeah, I remember you telling me about um, that. That's really stupid. So you ended up uh, buying it in store or through or through what? I I wa- walked into a store, a Target, that's a little out of my ways, but I just really wanted it. And I even like wrote about it kind of on Digital Bounds. I said I was using iStock now to like track what stores have it in stock, um, and I would get notifications. And then I was also checking now in stock. To like get notifications when GameStop like online or Kohl's online or Target online or Best Buy online got the console in stock, so I was like super like glued to a screen for like two weeks. <laughs> so you've been mostly playing Zelda, I assume. Um, that's the only game I bought. That's the only game like worth it right now, really. Um, there is a really cool racing game that I played at my friend's house. I forget what the name was. Um, but that was like it's my like first spaceships? time. Huh? Is it spaceships? Like the uh, there's spaceships in it? I mean it's like racing spaceships, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I know which one it is. It's like twenty dollars. Yeah, so like I mean that's, I don't know the name. Yeah, that's like worth way more than um the one two switch game. Like I don't understand how that's not <laughs> bundled in with the switch. Um that's not worth, you know, sixty dollars or however much it is. But that uh but I finally played the Switch, and I'm surprised. Like, I know your opinion dif- differs on this, but I'm surprised at how well the Joy-Cons work. Um, just, like, when you're playing a two-player game with someone, like, I actually, like, even though I have big hands, 
um the joy-con felt really nice to be able to like just you know control the the car and everything so actually i'm quite impressed with it um i so my thing with the joy cons is i i like them but i hate having to pop them out of the the controller because if you there's two buttons on the back and they're right next to like the r and the the l buttons so you're you're constantly like you have to like grab the butt in the back and push on like a your button mashing a bunch of other buttons. So no, if yeah, you like, it's and like, that's, that's it's the only kind thing. Of like, yeah, they they definitely messed up with that. I'm saying like just in general, like gameplay, the Joy Cons are fine, but in terms of like putting in the little stick with the rope, like if you put it on the wrong way, like good luck getting that out. And then, like you said, like having to press the two buttons to release it is is really annoying. Yeah, that that's my that's my gripe about the the controllers. I'm not a fan of using them separately to play a two player game, but otherwise, I think it's a great controller. Mm-hmm. When it's like in in like the little like Xbox style controller, I think it's fine. It's it's a yeah, good controller. It's a little small, but it's, it's definitely it's like perfectly usable. Like if um if Super Smash I, was was on the Switch, um assuming they're gonna bring it to it, I'm not sure, but um it's it's gonna be perfectly playable with uh, the Joy-Con, like the controller with uh, both of them. Um, you know, within that holder thing. I don't know what to call it. I'm not sure. I, I just think it's it turns into a Joy Con, like the docked Joy Con. Yeah. Um I forget what I was gonna say now. Man, um Oh, I love it when it's console like when it's a tablet and you have the controllers on the side i'm just i sit there constantly just like that it, it's it's super mobile and i can just play my games anywhere and i love it uh, i even bought like a little carrot in case you're talking about when you like do the kickstand or what are you talking about? no when it's plugged in when it's like the controllers are on the, the tablet i'm just sitting there playing oh like, like using it like a tablet with controllers basically yeah, I love doing it that way. I don't like undocking the Joy-Con and then playing it like with a kickstand, more like a little you, TV yeah. screen. Yeah, it's actually like it's a decent size as a as a tablet. I was surprised. Did you play it on a TV screen or undocked? Um, I actually played it on a TV screen, but I mean, I held it in my hands and everything um, with um, like the tablet with the Joy-Cons docked on it, um, and it was like perfectly like it, it was a good. Um, it just felt really good. I don't know how to explain it. What did you think about the screen? Um, I didn't like play any games on the screen itself. Um, it seemed okay, like going through the menus and stuff. It was it obviously wasn't like super high res. Like it's it's obvious it's not 1080, but it's high res enough. Um, but on on the TV screen though, like it, it actually looked really good. Okay, yeah, like Zelda looks amazing. I can like at first I thought the plastic. Uh, low resolution screen was going to be a, like a limiting factor of the switch, but I honestly cannot tell that it's a low res screen really. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like minor, minor. So um, I'm going to write a review about it in like the coming days, and then I'm going to review Zelda after that. After I put more more time into Zelda, I'm going to do a video. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll I'll link you a video later on. It's like um from Mike Hurley from uh relay fm he started vlogging and stuff and he did this video that that i thought was kind of neat so something like that but i just want to try what i'm gonna do with it so personal news for you 
Um, I mean, I've been, I haven't really been too productive. Um, the past couple of weeks I've been kind of like, been feeling burned out. So I kind of just, um, just start chilling a bit more, um, regarding some stuff though, like, uh, with dev news. Um, so I fixed like product hunt on it. I started using like the new API on it. Um, but I just wanted like to plug that. Cause I think like I visit dev news, uh, daily. It like lets you visit, um, lets you read like product hunt, uh, GitHub and hacker news. Um, so it just makes it like really easy and I'm actually planning some stuff for version two, um, cause I want to be a full featured like news client. So I think that'll be really cool. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. That's good. And then you had something else here. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't really, I can't really share too much on it, but I am working on kind of like a Japanese based startup. It's going to make traveling easier. Um, but again, I don't want to share too much on it. Yeah. Um, I was, I was saying, I had mentioned this to you a while back. I think you should do like, a like little like screen shares and like little like videos sharing like your experience building like pro, uh, dev news, kind of like little vlogs, but they're, they're like all about dev news. Yeah. And I've been thinking about those too. And I'll probably at some point will, um, start doing like the Ninjality design YouTube channel. Um, so actually, I mean, we, Kyle was doing videos on that channel before. Um, so I'm definitely going to start doing like coding screencasts or even just like, just like discussions where I just like talk in front of a camera about like news coming out for developers or marketing tools and stuff like that. So, um, definitely want to like do that. And then on the Ninjality website, like I guess on the blog, we can feature those there. Totally. Like totally pumped for it. Um, is that everything for this week? I think so. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. I think that's everything. It was a good one. All right. So if you like this podcast, I would appreciate you to rate us six stars. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Snapchat. We're all digital bounds. Sonny, what's your Snapchat again? I mean, your Twitter. I mean, your, your Twitter. Okay. Because I don't even know what my Snapchat is. Uh, my Twitter is uh, SonnySingIO. That's a S-U-N-N-Y-S-I-N-G-H-I-O. Perfect. Uh, so we'll talk to you guys next week. We're still ironing out a schedule for this. Uh, we're always saying we're going to do it one day, and then we ended up pushing it back. So we appreciate everybody listening, and hopefully we talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Bye.